Hey, congratulations. You got the directions right. This is the Distracted Driving Podcast. Did we give directions? <laughs> I uh, well, that. I mean, you know, they, driving. they got here. So <laughs> maybe, you know what? Maybe they just found it on their own. I don't know. What I do know is that I'm Sean Genovese. I think I host this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. And I'm a co-host or fellow blabbering blabberer. You're a fellow uh, blabberator. Uh, Rex Williams. Did I get the name in there? You did. You just just now. And okay. and yeah, a couple of episodes ago, I don't remember how many now, but we, we went through an exercise where we had to make up a word. So I was just creative again just now. You're okay. a blabberator. Blabberator. It's a new, it's a new world. Congratulations. I was just creative and okay. it has no value. <laughs> it's no value. <laughs> Unless somebody wants to buy that word, I'll license it to you. Blabberator. <laughs> uh, so let's see. By way of the last 45 seconds, um, you've kind of gotten a, uh, a quick overview of what the first, I think it's been three episodes with Kevin Meredith have been about. Yeah, and there's more. And there's more. This is the last one, episode 18, I think. <laughs> I think. <laughs> The um, next episode, next and final chapter of the Kevin Meredith story. Look, okay, just just to get something clear, just so people don't think that we're completely um, loony and and uh, <laughs> Why and and air airheaded. You know, the reason we can't remember what episode we're on is sometimes we record these pre and post ambles together at the same time in a group. Um, sometimes, and so while we usually remember what we've talked about. We don't always remember what number episode we're on as we're doing the intro or the outro. So I'm it's reasonably sure on the screen. Somewhere. I'm reasonably sure this is going to be for 18. And uh, look, if it's not, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's a good conversation. Yes. Uh, Let's he let them listen to it. Yeah. I'm not even going to tell you what it's about. You're going to, you're going to have to listen. It's the final chapter and find Kevin out. Meredith. Kevin the final Ovation. chapter. Okay, there we go. Just made that up. But, Multiple. Uh, yeah, he's awesome. He's, he's on his trip. Remember, across the country with his family, going to every national park. And that's it. And that's good. That's, Here's Kevin. <laughs> well, like okay. So, um, so we've been talking for a bit here. We, we're going to have to start to uh, to park the car. Up. Um, but maybe could we spend a, a couple of minutes going back to what you talked about with the homeschooling? I, I don't yeah. know how many kids you have, but you know, that's three. been a topic. Three kids. Okay. Three kids. And what ages? 10, seven, and four. 10, seven, and four. All right. So moving older brother ten... and two younger daughters. Okay. So uh, yeah. 10, seven, and four, um, you know, coming on the heels of the pandemic. Uh, I know that, uh, we're certainly not alone in, uh, families that have kind of looked at the the landscape, uh, both from a a physical safety, uh, yeah. politically motivated, um, um, may I say, draconian in many cases measures, um, yep. and played the what if game, you know, because we're all drawing our own lines in the sand of things that we're willing to tolerate and not. And, you know, thankfully, so far for, for us, it's started to take a turn in a direction that we're comfortable with. But you obviously were in a similar spot. And yeah. and so homeschooling was something that we talked about. Um, 
tell us a little bit about adventure board learning is is this a cooperative that you have with a bunch of other families is this something you're doing are you applying fourth sector innovations to your learning model yeah so we we um the baseline of it is that in california you can create your own homeschooling um entity and school your own kids with very low overhead at this point um so we formally created went through the process of creating adventure bound learning uh before we left for our our trip but really some of the the things that drove us to do that are what you had talked about you know like it it really brings my wife and i to tears when we see time and time again communities that are affected by gun violence specifically in schools like going all the way back to sandy hook when i heard about it on the radio i was pulling into the house and i literally had to park the car and compose myself wipe off my tears before i went inside and asked my wife if she had heard what had happened and then you just in texas i happened to be in texas the the last time um this happened and last major time it happened in a school at least and like just i have an appreciation for where i am when things occur and just trying to understand the logic that certain individuals uh applied to how to solve that problem just was broken logic to me and so that certainly is a driver is the physical safety of our of our kids while going to school um that also applies i mean it could happen the safety of our kids could be threatened at any moment you know we're driving right. thousands right. of miles yeah. in a truck with an rv attached to the back of it like there's plenty of things that could go wrong there we so that's one aspect of it for sure we also during the pandemic is where it kind of became blatantly clear um and that was an anomaly but how pretty, ineffective pretty big one <laughs> how how ineffective the the schooling was at producing the types of learning that we thought was important for our kids mm -hmm. and i'm not saying this you know because i'm college you know multi-master degree holder like i'm saying this because i went to a tiny rural school in upstate new york I went to K through 12 with, I forget, five or 700 kids, like total. I graduated with 30 kids in my class. Um, and that's a private school. I mean, a public school, not a private school. So. Yeah, interesting. Like, I had 60, 60 at my yeah. eighth grade graduate, K through eight. We had the same, okay. more or less the same yeah. 60 kids. I had 3,000. Yeah, see like that. that <laughs> is, but mine was I, a private school, not a public school. Uh, yeah. So all I'm saying with that is in my tiny rural upstate New York town had exposure to a class literally in second grade. I can remember it clear as day where we had a specialist come in and we were all brought through a process where we would close our eyes and use our imagination and our creativity to think about things in a different way. Like, and this is, this is not some, this is like podunk upstate New York. Like, I'm not saying that pejoratively, but like the reality is like most people would 
blink and miss driving through my town. So like, it's not, and that we've gotten this far away, like, so that our kids right now in, in, in all three, well, the two that are in, in elementary school, they, every year now, the teachers are asking for families to buy paper, to buy markers and things for the whole class because there's not enough resources in the public school system for them to sufficiently materialize their learning. And so it's like, if that's the state that we're in, like, let alone when we talk about STEM and the importance of driving uh, those critical um, resources and, and understandings throughout our population in a much broader way, like we wanted to take a more active approach to finding a different way to do it with our kids. Um, so I don't know if we're gonna do this forever, but we're definitely trying it now. And um, yeah, and another thing is, this is, this is like very, uh, whether you wanna call it white privilege or just first world, like the fact that we had the opportunity to just take a year and go try it. Most people don't have that option. Um, our kids happen to be in a good age where we weren't stripping away their elementary school graduation or their middle school or high school graduation. Like this is a very safe age for our family yeah. to try and do this um, with very little risk if it doesn't pan out. Um, and so there were a lot of factors that came together for, for our decision to, to give it a shot. Yeah. yeah I, so. Go ahead, Rex. Well, it's just experiential learning. I mean, that's everybody kind of knows that's where you learn the most is when you're yeah. actually doing something and you're you're evaluating how it went and whatnot. So I'm sure you've got it all down with things that you're doing and, and learning in the real world. I mean, that sounds awesome. Yeah, like every national park we go to, the kids are going through the Junior Ranger program, and it's just amazing to see how quickly they start to see trends across the multiple parks it's yeah yeah well just how every national park that we've been to has a junior ranger program and there are certain aspects of each one of those programs that are consistent across them and to reinforce that with the kids now 14 times over like it's starting to build something that they'll remember. I guess that was another key thing is we we really thought hard and said like, is there a greater opportunity for our kids to remember this for the rest of their lives versus the next year of school just incrementally in, increasing? And we came to the conclusion that you know this would be much more important and impactful in a longer term, um, even if it is the first of the next 10 years that we do it, this year will be impactful in a way that we're really fortunate to be able to try. So I, uh, I want to go back uh, to one of the ways that you started to characterize that. And I'm, I'm probably not going to say this in a very uh, uh, polished way, but you, you said, oh, you know, I, I don't know if it's, if it's privilege or or something else implying yeah. that you know you guys are, are blessed to be able to do this I, I think there's some truth to that however comma um, I, if I kind of look at it through a different lens I mean 
um, really what you're doing is is you're you're changing you're changing the system. You're, you're trying to work outside of a broken system because yeah. uh, you're still, I, I think you said you still have a house, you're renting it out. So that means you're still paying property taxes. So you're yep. still paying for the education that the state of California is supposed to be providing to your kids. Yep. Um, and now, but now you're actually, you're, you're foregoing that and you're doing added work to educate them yourself. So I don't put that in the column of, of privilege. And, you know, if I think about um, military families that have to move from place to yeah. place quite often, mm -hmm. um, really, you're, you're kind of doing something like that, but, but you're putting a, a positive spin on it. You're, you're looking at it more from, okay, how could we make this, how could we add value to yep. this, this circumstance where we are going to be in a different place, maybe every 30 days or every 15 days? Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of people, particularly now after the pandemic, where we look at some of the learning outcomes or lack thereof, uh, that might say, well, gosh, that's actually a better model, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, and I, and I think um, the, the, where I was going on the, on the privilege was around the idea that we have a job and employees that can continue to work boots on the ground that would afford us the opportunity to go travel around for an extended period of time. You know, I am still working remotely, but it's nowhere near as productive, especially before we got Starlink, um, having assured access to data, yeah. you know, that really was stressful at times, not having access and, having to run pay payroll or make sure certain things are a certain way in time like that that part of it the business still has to happen um but we had confidence that the people on the team are able to deliver and not everybody would be in that position and that's where i was thinking more along the lines of, of privilege maybe it's not privilege maybe it's economic privilege not color of my skin privilege but those things I, are I don't know. It, is it easier or harder to do those things you just described while you're in Montana versus being in Ontario? I mean, I think personally, I'm getting more quality time with the kids on a daily basis, even though I'm able to balance my schedule pretty well when I am in Southern California. It's just a lot of that seem to go on my wife's shoulders more so than now, even though she's the one that's really driving the curriculum and, and all that stuff. Um, my wife has done an amazing job of, of making this whole thing happen. It was her idea. And now she, she says it was her idea, but she said it jokingly and I got so excited about it. <laughs> that she got on board. I don't, I don't remember it quite that way. I thought it was just like uh, a great idea. And I, and I was all for it because of a lot of the reasons that we had already talked about. Um, wanting to, to try something different. So the, I yeah, guess the ability I, for, for me to decide, hey, can we go do this? Or us as a family to decide, can we go do this? There are so many families that can't do that. They couldn't work remote even today. Right. Um, so that's that's part of the privilege part that I was talking about. I, I guess where I, I get a little triggered with, with the, the privilege word because it gets thrown around, thrown around in, in a lot of different ways. Um, yeah. Um, 
And, and what it neglects, though, oftentimes, is the effort required in order to get to a particular outcome. Fair so, yeah. you know, okay. you, you talked about all the things that you've done in the pad, the education you have or, or the, the things that you did to, to get your business to where it is to enable you to go do this. Um, privilege to me would be being able to just snap your fingers and somebody else takes over and it doesn't cost you anything and you're not yeah. paying extra. I, I'm pretty sure that if I were riding along with you guys for a month, um, I could probably write a book about how you're working harder on this trip than you would be if you were at home. But granted, the value, going back to value, going yeah. to bring, it, bring it right back, right? So the value to you that you're getting uh, in terms of time with your kids and the ability to influence their education yeah, is uh, – th that's the trade-off. Totally. Yeah. Oh man, uh, which is probably a good place to uh, to end this, so we can let you get back to the bears and the trains. A lot of rail traffic there in Montana, huh? We we have not we have not actually seen a bear. We just real quick, like as far as seeing amazing things, and um, I'm part of a network that's called the Circular Supply Chain Network. It's it's led by Deborah Dull. Look her up. It's uh the future of supply chain is sustainability. That sustainability would be uh, hugely influenced by this notion of circularity. So um, I'm lucky enough to be a volunteer on this team. And the the idea that I shared with them was in the, on this trip, I've seen so many amazing animals that I've never seen in the wild before whether it be like literally elk sitting on the hiking path six feet away and didn't realize that it was there until you're on top of it almost. And like giant elk, like blocking the whole trail. 200 bison are making their way down this field and they cross the road literally where our car is parked watching this. Like, like yeah. these experiences all would have been missed within minutes. And so like the learning, the insight that like, and, and we talk about this in our system model for innovation. When we talk about resources, we talk about time as a resource. You know, that is your most important resource is time. Uh, regardless of, of anybody, we all have, we all account for time in the same exact way. Um, and how much we ultimately have for our life is, is variable, but we all account for time the same way. And so it's a, it's a democratizing resource that we don't honor enough, I think, in business and innovation. But part of that time is also timing. And how many of these amazing experiences, like we were just in Yellowstone and it was raining on and off all day, which doesn't make for a great day, but we came to this iconic place in Yellowstone called Artist Point, and it's a big waterfall and then, bam, double rainbow opposite the waterfall. It was like, we would never would have experienced that had those conditions not been exactly right. And if we weren't there to experience it exactly that time. And if you, if you extend that out to everything else in our lives, like how many relationships did we just miss? Or did we connect with because the timing was just right? Um, I think so, there have been some movies about that. 
The butterfly sliding. effect, sliding doors. Yeah. I mean, just like how yeah, things can be just slightly altered and have a huge impact. Um, when we talk about risk and in innovation is most of the time we talk about risk averse organizations, but what that is, is an easy way to say no to something without doing some due diligence around mm -hmm. it. Um, one of the criteria that we believe should be introduced into anybody's thinking about risk and saying no is what is the opportunity cost if we don't do anything? Oh, you know, if, I if love that approach. Yeah, if we're really just focused on what, okay, so first of all, with risk, there has to be two things. And I learned this at Boeing and um, it's stuck with me ever since. Like you can't have risk with anything less than two factors. And I would argue a third, which would be time is the additional factor, but you have to have the likelihood of occurrence and you have to have the magnitude of impact. If you don't have at least those two things, you can't have any meaningful discussion about risk. So then if you also then cross that on a third axis of time where all those conditions have to exist together, then you can start to really talk about risk. And that conversation can't happen if you don't consider the opportunity cost because now you're incorporating what could have been at a future point in time um, if you hadn't done anything, for example. Well, and, and I learned I learned this long ago, too, when trying to capture uh, the cost or the ROI of things that maybe were very difficult to calculate. One of the greatest starting points you can have is, OK, well, let's talk about what it's costing today. Yep. And then you can look at what you're going to you know, propose or change and, and just simply ask the question, well, do we believe this will be more or less than what we're spending today? Yep. And usually you can answer that question. You might not know the number or the magnitude, but yeah. you can answer the question, will it be more or less? Yep. Well, uh, Kevin, we're getting a lot of solar flares here on, uh, on this part of the conversation you keep right. cutting out for us. So I think we're going we're gonna to let you go. Um, we've got – I jotted down so many vocabulary words that yeah. were great for this conversation. Yeah. Um, thank you for uh, – Thank you for taking the time on the trip Thank you, guys. In, the, in the middle of Montana to, to chat with us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Okay, well, that is the end of both episode 18 and our chat, our first chat with uh, our friend Kevin Meredith. Uh, we are going to end this round of professional blabberating. <laughs> yeah. Kevin we'll was back. great. Like, isn't he? Isn't he amazing? Like, you really got to check out the fourth sector innovation. Fourth sector innovation, and you know what we should do is uh, when he finishes the book, and the book yeah. is available for purchase, we will have him back on yeah, to yeah. talk about the book. Yeah, yeah, he's writing a book. Can I pro promote that? I may adopt the book as the official textbook. For my class. Oh, for your class. Yeah, the kid, the college kids. They got to learn these things. Yeah. Um, no, we're looking forward to the book, though, and uh, having him back on. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting to see him in living color. In fact, by the time this drops, I may have already had that yeah. encounter. Yeah, it was great. Um, <laughs> He's traveling through, meeting both of us at different times and places. So. 
So until next time, um, go uh, go give us some stars, please. You know, if the spirit catches you, uh, write us a comment. We'd love to hear some feedback, suggestions for uh, uh, yeah. future guests. Yeah, you got um, love to hear that about that. Not getting distracted while driving. Yes, don't get distracted while driving your car or driving change or challenging the status quo. That's right. Okay, well, uh, thank you for listening to the Distracted Driving Podcast. We will see you next time. Ciao. We just did the outro for 17. I thought we did the intro. We did them both. Right, because that's why I said, oh, we got to ask people for more engagement, and it was at the end of 17. So now we're going to do the beginning of 18. Okay. 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 We've only done two, right? So we, Wait, how many have we done we just did, now? Okay, so we did the end of 16, which is going to air today. Yeah. We did the beginning of 17 and the end of 17. Now we're about to do the beginning of 18, which will okay. be the last episode with Kevin. Said there was two more. <laughs> I think one. I said it at you the end of 16, it. though. You can edit it out. It's fine. Or leave it in. I don't know. All right, here we go. <clears throat> What's this one about? <laughs> I don't know.